Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Behemoth podcast. Today, we have a guest from our own house, and his interest to make things work behind the scenes, where all the code makes its magic, brought him to work to Castle Crashers. Mike Welsh is our guest today, and we're going to be talking about the challenges that the Flash community was facing back in the day, and how he was able to come up with solutions to keep the ball rolling. Mike, how are you today, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? Everything is going well for me. We're really glad that you uh, could make it here for the podcast. We want to know more about you. But first, first, I have a very important question. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> so in uh, one of our episodes, one of our guests said that he, you know, got into the Ruffle Discord, which we're going to cover later on in the podcast to explain everyone uh, what it is. But he said that, you know, he wanted to collaborate. And when he got in, he saw that you guys were working on something that was like next level for him. And then he called you the magician. Because if someone <laughs> can make it happen, that is you. So how do you feel about this nickname? Well, I don't know about that. All I know is there's a lot of smart people helping me. And that's definitely been very helpful because I'm not smart enough to do it on my own. <laughs> so everybody uh, in the other podcast episode have mentioned you. And that's for a reason, right? But before... We get into, you know, Ruffle and, and all of that. We want to know a little bit more about you. So since everything is centered in Flash, what was your first Flash experience? What Was this your first interaction with uh, making games? I started back in probably 1998. I guess it was Flash 3. You know, back then the web was very static, right? It was just text on a page. And yep. I remember, you know, just surfing around and I, I stumbled across Newgrounds, which was, you know, still fairly up and coming at the time and... It just had all of these moving images and all of these animations on the site. And it was crazy at the time to just to see something moving on a web page. So that's really what uh, piqued my interest. And, you know, grabbing the Flash software, it was, you know, immediately easy to just get something moving on the screen, which was still pretty new at the time. You have to think back then there wasn't any Unity or any Game Maker or anything that really let you get images on the screen quickly and share it with your friends. So that's how I started back in the, the late 90s with Flash 3 and Flash 4 and you know it was just a lot of fun to play around and you know make little mini games and it was just the perfect mix of you know designer centric and programmer centric to let people a lot of people get their start. Were you a programmer uh, when you started doing this or? Yeah I was programming since I was young I started on a Commodore 64 <laughs> which is <laughs> You know, I, I would type in these programs from magazines and, you know, change one or two things. And that's how I really got interested in it. And when I, I first got a PC, you really didn't have many options. Uh, you had Visual Basic, which was uh, one piece of software by Microsoft, and then, you know, C++. Mm -hmm. And to get something on the screen using C++ was pretty difficult, you know, especially if you're just starting out. As I mentioned earlier, there wasn't Unity or any of these game frameworks, really, that we have now that made it kind of simple and fun. And then Flash was that software. Flash came out and it was just, you know, with five lines of code, I could have character moving around the screen with the keyboard and be halfway to a platform game. Did you start experimenting by your own or did you find like a, a group of people to, you know, help you with the visuals or get that maybe first game out there? Uh, it's mostly on my own. Uh, when Flash, the early versions of Flash had a pretty decent tutorial system inside and it was really easy to sort of see how things fit together and... You know, even on the early internet, there were lots of people doing things, people sharing information. It was really easy to learn on your own, and the software 
had just sort of the right learning curve where you could start out doing simple things and then you know, become more and more advanced. So I started just doing things on my own, doing little experiments. But as time went on, I realized I wasn't very good at art. So that's, <laughs> that's sort of when I shifted more into programmer territory and started collaborating with other people who, who did art. I see. Do you remember what was the first game that you could maybe call, okay, this is done and I can share <laughs> this with others? Probably one of the first games I made in Flash was a little, it was almost like Breakout where you had a little bucket at the bottom that you moved back and forth and you could catch, you, you catch falling balls that fell on the screen. It was really simple. And, you know, back then Flash really didn't have much programming capability at all. So even pulling that off, you know, it sounds sim so simple today, but pulling that off was really satisfying. And then from there, I started making, you know, asteroids, clones and things like that. I, I really got more into like the development side, like making the engine that makes things work. Because I, I realized that as I realized how good other artists, artists were, I could never be that good at art. So I, I wanted to focus more on making the tools that let other artists be creative. And that's sort of, you know, what drove me down the path of being more more of a programmer. That's cool. Do you remember what, what were kind of the first things that you were able to share that others use for their games? <laughs> I do remember back in the early days of Newgrounds, they had a, the BBS the forums. And mm -hmm. it was just fun to go on there and people would have questions and just to try to help them out and answer their questions. I always got a real... Uh, a lot of satisfaction out of that, out of helping people do what they, they want to do. So just, you know, spending those early days on Newgrounds, helping others learn and learning myself was a lot of fun because it's one thing to know something, but you don't really know it until you can teach it to someone else in a simple way. Right. Yeah, that that's so true. And that's so important, especially for this, because as some of you guys listening will remember that our guest, everybody started getting this initial motivation from Newgrounds and looking for these tutorials and how to get the specifics in uh, in an age where not every everything is so easy as, you know, you just Google it and you find it. So you had to be in the right place. And it looks like that was that place was also Newgrounds for you, right? Just to share those thoughts. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the sense of community there was really good. You could no matter what you needed or what kind of help you were looking for, there was someone on Newgrounds that could sort of give you the help you needed. Now that the web is very social media, you know, there's Twitter, there's Facebook, there's all these huge companies. It's a little bit different than it was back then where you sort of had these smaller communities where you could, you know, meet a few other people, know them by name and, and sort of share things together. So yeah, Newgrounds was really helpful. And especially it was so early in the game for being, for having user generated content that you could see what other people were working on. And be like, wow, this is super cool. You know, how did he do this thing, that thing, the other thing? And it really, I think, helped push everyone. You know, we were just starting out as amateurs, like push them to get better and better and learn more and more. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Where were you getting the, you know, the knowledge you were later teaching to others? Were, it was just personal experimentation, grabbing from other <laughs> sites internationally, just trial and error? A little of everything. So what was sort of fun back then is that you know, Flash was really kind of limited. It could do some things, but not a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And sort of pushing against those boundaries is something I've always felt was really interesting. For a long time, you know, in the very early versions of Flash, like Flash 4, I guess, 1999, 2000, you couldn't really control the art very well in through programming. Like I could rotate a clip, I could stretch a clip, but if I wanted to skew a clip to shear it, Uh, that was actually not something that was easy to do. Like it wasn't built into the language, but if you 
sort of cleverly like manipulated the rotation and scale of an art, you could end up, you know, shearing it. And like doing that, you could do like some clever things to do fake 3D. And some people figured that out. And just, you know, sort of pushing those kind of limits, which, you know, nowadays with HTML5 or any sort of Unity or anything, you can pretty much do whatever you want, right? There's no no real limits, but that's it's kind of boring, right? Like back then, even though we had these really, you know, primitive limits, pushing those was kind of fun and seeing what you could get out of this, you know, really limited system. It's very interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's where a lot of the developers that started in Flash got their continuous inspiration and motivation to just keep going, right? Some of them were telling us that you will wake up a day, see a game done by other that was using something that you didn't even know it was possible and he was using the same software as you. So you're like, okay, then I can do that too, right? And then <laughs> you have something else to learn. And as, as you were saying, just push the boundaries once again. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. If you go back and look at those early Newgrounds games, they'll, they'll seem really simple. But just by starting there and it just started getting better and better and better. And people started doing really crazy things, really awesome things. And just being able to see that live, you know, happen over the course of a couple of years was pretty crazy. All through this time as well, you know, getting into the early 2000s to mid 2000s, Flash was improving too. So you could do more and more in Flash. And it was sort of exciting as each new version was released, uh, like what new features there were, you know, what you could do. Um, so yeah, I always enjoyed that, seeing what new features that Flash had and poking at them and seeing what they could do. So at this point, what were you doing besides, you know, helping others uh, to get their... <laughs> games done I, well, I was going to school i was in college for uh, computer science and yeah you know just between classes i would poke around in flash or, or c and that's you know sort of how i learned in that university sort of teaches you how to learn but to actually get the experience and learn you have to do it for yourself so you know doing these little mini games or little experiments in flash is what really you know taught me and made me realize wow, I could do all of these cool things. It's not just, you know, this theory I'm learning in, in school. And yeah, so I was studying computer science. And from there, I moved over to Newgrounds. Uh, mm -hmm. Tom was nice enough to hire me there. Yeah, from there, I got to do lots of cool stuff working on Newgrounds and some for the behemoth. Yeah, so, okay, that was kind of my next, my next question. So after you're done with that, you jump directly into Newgrounds, right? And can you be like maybe more specific on what you were doing there, just helping the site in general, or what was what was the role there? <laughs> well, that was my question too. When I got hired, I wasn't sure what I was going to be <laughs> be working on. Uh, but it, yeah, I actually ended up going working directly on Castle Crashers as my first mm -hmm. project. Um, even though I was an employee of Newgrounds, uh, Newgrounds and the Pemith were kind of sister companies, and the employees were sort of split half and half at that point. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, I, I pretty much started working directly on Castle Crashers, helping that out. And that was, I guess, 2006. Oh, that's that's great. And in the process, I think Tom, in the first episode of this series of podcasts, mentioned that you also mentioned two things that are important for this episode. One, that you built uh, Swivel, right? One mm -hmm. of the first things to kind of keep the Flash content future-proof. Mm -hmm. So where does that this idea come from and where was the challenge on creating Swivel? So I guess this was around, you know, 2011, 2012, that the writing was kind of on the wall, right? That Flash was going away. You know, Newgrounds had all this rich history of, you know, animated content in Flash. Now you have to think back to the late 90s. Most people were still on dial-up modem, 
And mm-hmm. this was one of the appeals of Flash was that the files it made were very, very small. They were very compressed vector art, and you could download them over a dial-up modem. And so lots of people made these animations in Flash so you could watch them on the internet. But now that Flash was going away, there was this question of, you know, how are we going to keep this content alive? You know, if I don't have Flash, I'm not going to be able to watch these cool animations from that time period. And then around the same time, like YouTube was getting big and people wanted to like, put their animations on YouTube. But there wasn't a good way to convert your Flash animation into video. Um, the Flash software had a video exporter, but it, it just didn't work very well <laughs> at all. And so I would always have all of these animators come to me and ask me, hey, you know, how can I convert this this Flash animation video? You know, can you help me out? And eventually I got tired of getting asked that question. <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and figure out how to how to do it to help these people. Because um, also, you know, it would help Newgrounds because if Flash went away, you know, we would want to be able to watch these animations. We want these animations to work on mobile, you know, so converting them to video would just make them work. So yeah, I sat down and, you know, sort of puzzled around with it a while. And I saw, you know, I saw the path that like, hey, you know, I think I could do this. Um you know, by running the animation in the Flash player itself and sort of grabbing the frames of animation as it played, I could convert this to video. Um, so it took a lot of effort from there, but yeah, eventually I released Swivel, and that that was used on Newgrounds in some of the some of the early transition away from Flash to keep all of these animations alive. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, now I have a question that just popped up in my head. Yep, you got me curious now. You said that the export for uh, Flash didn't work very well. What was kind of the, the what were the issues that were popping out there? <laughs> well, it would you know it would drop frames, so like you have this really smooth animation that you would run in Flash, and then you would convert it to video, and the frames would just be missing. Like it would just stutter, stutter, and do all of these weird things. The sound would be out of sync. <laughs> like the file size would be huge because it could only really export uncompressed video. If you tried to use any sort of scripting, because a lot of the animators actually use some scripting in their animations. So there was mm-hmm. a popular, they called it V-cam, the V-camera, which was like a scriptable camera that you moved around to simulate like a, you know, a movie camera. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, people would use like scripted particle effects, that kind of thing. And that just didn't work with the video exporter at all. If you had what's called a movie clip, which is an animation that sort of runs independently, which you would use pretty much everywhere in Flash, like a lot of times that wouldn't export properly. So just all of these things that, you know, just didn't work. And you would think, you know, we, we would be sort of pleading with Adobe because, you know, TV shows were made in Flash. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of TV shows were made in Flash. And people were just like, can we get a good video exporter? And it, it just didn't, <laughs> you know, it just didn't happen for years and years and years. So, yeah. And the, the even worse part is there were there were also third party video exporters, you know, other like software like Swivel that cost money. But they were all terrible as well. <laughs> so, oh my god! So yeah, people were spending money to you know try to solve this problem, and it wasn't really getting solved. And yeah, eventually, I w- I was just like, okay, I think I can do it myself. Let's figure it out. That's one way to solve this issue, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool to hear from you know animation studios and stuff that were using Swivel. So mm-hmm. glad that uh that I could help people in that way. You see, that's where the magician nickname is coming from. You know. <laughs> I, I see now. It all makes sense. But yeah, I, I just wanted to ask ask this because I think it gives more context on why some of these steps were kind of necessary and so important, right? Because someone when, when someone mentioned Swivel before, I'm like, but I'm pretty sure Adobe at some point should have this export to video, right? But I remember that it actually had a lot of issues 
and they they sound so you know so stupid now it's like why can't you just export and be in sync because you know now we can do animations in our phones and you know like anyone can do it pretty much with all these different apps that uh or, or just on, on pc in general and it seems so accessible but back then these issues were things of every single day you would try to export something from either video editors or or, or flash itself And these were the, the things that you were dealing with every single day, every time you wanted to export. Not to even mention that you will be exporting and it will crash and then you have to start all over again. And if you forgot to save your last edits, then, well, you just lose them all as well. And, uh, you know, it, it things that happen. Yeah, using pressing the uh, save hotkey becomes second nature. <laughs> I know, <laughs> it, is, it is for me now. Every two minutes, control S and hopefully it's all saved properly. But yeah, so that was the beginning of Swivel. And I think at, somewhere at this point, uh, you mentioned or you talked to Tom and said, hey, I think the future to keep our Flash content alive is an emulator. And I think at the beginning, not so many believed in the word of the magician, but that's <laughs> when, where did this thought came from of, you know, a, an emulator is actually the way to keep this, to keep the games alive for the future. So, yeah, I mean, going back around to the same time period about, you know, the mid 2010s, we, we knew Flash was going away and mm -hmm. question became, you know, so we, we solved the animations by converting them to video, but how about all of these games? Because there's this rich history of, indie games that started with Flash. You know, without Flash, there'd be no Castle Crashers, Alien Hominid, there'd be no Binding of Isaac. All of these amazing indie games got their start as Flash games. So how do we preserve this, you know, rich history that you used to just be able to go to a website and play this awesome game. When Flash goes away, you just won't be able to play it. It'll be difficult. So, you know, I, I was thinking about it and, you know, there were different, different ideas. Uh, One thing is that Newgrounds has the Newgrounds player, which is basically just a Flash player you can download for your desktop, right? Mm -hmm. That's sort of one thing you could always do is just download the Flash player EXE and run it. But, you know, downloading an EXE, people don't want to do that, right? That's, yeah. you know, you might be downloading a virus, you know, it's just another mm -hmm. step in the process. You want to sort of preserve that feeling of, I could just go to this webpage and play this game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, working at the Behemoth, I'm sure some people already know this, but the Cast Crashers was... A Flash game. Um, it was mm -hmm. developed in Flash, and it runs Flash ActionScript programming language. And so we had developed a Flash parser, a Flash emulator that runs Castle Crashers on the consoles. So that's where I sort of got the experience. Like, hey, it's not. It's it's kind of feasible to run to make a Flash emulator to run these pieces of soft, these Flash files. So you know, I would tell Tom, well, I think the future is someone's going to make you know a Flash emulator. And <laughs> now that's. It's easy easy to say that, but just knowing the scope of Flash, it's a 25 year year old piece of software, and at, just kept adding more and more and more features. Like it's pretty insane to just do that. So that's sort of what kept me from like thinking that it wasn't like it's possible, but I just don't think it's anyone's going to really do it for a long time. And so the years sort of went by, and then it started to get you know more and more pressing as the end of Flash came in mm -hmm. 2020, the end of last year. And just, you know, through my work at the Behemoth, I started to feel like, hey, you know, maybe maybe this is possible. Like, maybe it's not so far-fetched to do this. And because around the same time, there was an email thread going around with, like, different Flash developers, you know, asking the same question, like, what are we going to do? You know, how do we keep this alive? And it's it just sort of seemed like the, the path forward was for someone to make their own emulator, their own implementation of Flash, and make it public. And to be clear, there, there have been different attempts at this over the years. Um, so, you know, there was one called Shumway that Mozilla made. There's Nash, G-N-A-S-H. So 
you know, I'm not the only person to have done this, but uh-huh. none of these, like a lot of these started when Flash was still in use for like YouTube. So you needed Flash to even, you know, use the web. And mm-hmm. this was aimed more at, you know, like Linux users that didn't have their own good version of Flash to use. But when Flash sort of started to go away, they felt that it wasn't really necessary. So those pieces of software sort of, you know, stopped being developed. Mm-hmm. Um, so my thought process was coming from it, coming to it from a different point of view where it's more archival. Like I want to make sure these pieces of content remain easily accessible. So, you know, just started, I started Ruffle probably about three years ago and Ruffle's the name of the Flash emulator I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of started from my work at the Behemoth too, uh, just making all of these tools to deal with Flash files. And it was just me sort of experimenting. And then I remember just running some of the first animations on Newgrounds through it and they were actually starting to play. And that's what sort of like set the light bulb, light bulb off in my head. Like, hey, maybe this, maybe this is kind of possible, right? Yeah, just sort of went from there, just sort of slowly, slowly adding things. And yeah, I mean, even today, it's just, I think that's the step forward is to make an open source piece of software to keep these awesome pieces of gaming history alive. And uh, what, what what are some of the, the benefits of, of Ruffle from that end? Like one of them, I think you mentioned before, but you can play them on your phone, right? So Flash games on your phone? Yeah, absolutely. So... You know, Flash traditionally just never ran on phones. You know, mm-hmm. there's the, the infamous Steve Jobs letter that said they would never support it on iPhone, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it was just crazy the first time I was playing some of, you know, the early Newgrounds games on my phone. You know, it supports touch and everything. And, you know, there are lots of potential benefits. It'll take us some time to get there. But, you know, we can do native full screen mode. We could add gamepad support to games that didn't have gamepad support. We could have better performance using the video card. You know, Flash existed before <laughs> really dedicated video cards existed. <laughs> so Flash was always sort of traditionally uh, used your CPU to render everything. It had a very fast renderer, but, you know, using your CPU is slow. So now we could use the GPU, the video card to do stuff. So there's all these little quality of life features we can slowly start to add that makes, you know, if we were making a game back in, you know, 2001 and we could add gamepad support, we, we would have done it, right? Mm-hmm. So adding the, those kind of features to like make the quality of life better, like, hey, I can use my Xbox controller to play this old Flash game. That's definitely something I'm interested in adding. I, I just wanted to, you know, just to give more context to this on the archival side of things. Mm-hmm. While I was doing all of this investigation for the different guests and just Flash in general, it is so interesting to go back to the Newgrounds page of any of you know the guests that we had and, and other developers that started in Flash. And you can see this growth from the individuals itself and also as a group, right? As a community, how Flash was kind of making new things. And you can you can tell that around the same time someone discovered something, and then you know, 10 or more more people were trying to replicate that and make that the, the norm from, from there. So there is a lot of this progress and development and a kind of evolution of game that comes from Flash that it's so important that maybe in a couple of years from now, someone can just go back and play all of these games and not just read about them, right? Or just hear about them in a, in a, in a podcast like this case. So it's, I think it's very, very important because there's a lot of history there and a lot of value on all of this progress that can be done by, you know, community-generated content, which back in the day was rare still right so very valuable stuff mm-hmm. absolutely yeah um i mean it's it's li- literally the history of the internet you know yep. being able to easily load that and see it is 
invaluable. Like I said, you could always keep around an old computer with Flash on it and run these Flash files, but who's going to do that? You know, yeah. it's the same thing. Who still has a VHS player? Right? Yeah, exactly. But being able to convert these files to different formats or keep them playable in new software that I can easily run in my web browser, that makes it cool. Like now I can just browse, browse all of these files as they were back in the late 90s and early 2000s. I guess one cool thing I should mention that was sort of unexpected to me, but really awesome is that the Internet Archive is using Ruffle on their site for their archive of Flash animations. Mm -hmm. So you could go on the Internet Archive and browse their Flash archive and, and play these games directly in your browser, play these animations directly in your browser. And that's really cool. And that's that's what sort of makes it worth worthwhile to me and uh well i'm glad this is also bringing some visibility because i'm pretty sure a lot of people here have gone to that website and you probably don't even notice right you think oh this is flash <laughs> but you probably don't even notice that it's you know running on an emulator and all the work that goes behind it you mentioned there's a team effort right there's a lot of people working for it so mm -hmm. this is open source and everybody everybody's uh, volunteer, right? Yep, absolutely. So we have our GitHub page where all of the sources available and people can submit bugs. So if you're trying out Ruffle and you see something wrong, you can submit a bug report and that's where we collaborate. There's lots of volunteers, lots of very smart people helping me, me out. As I said, I'm not smart enough to do it on my own. And it's such a massive project. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Flash is a 25-year-old piece of technology and I would only estimate, you know, we're probably only you know, 16 years into that. <laughs> so there's still a lot of work to do, especially towards the end of Flash's life. They started to add lots of crazy features that will take a while to implement. But, you know, even the tiny bit we've done so far, you know, has allowed just a massive amount of content to, to remain accessible. You know, you got to think there are probably tens of millions of pieces of Flash content out there. Um, and even, you know, 10% of that is a huge number. That's been the fun thing for me is it's sort of been a new experience in collaborating with all of, all of these people, like being a maintainer of a big project. I've been learning a lot. People have been, you know, helping me and teaching me. I've been learning from other people. So definitely it's, I knew early on that this wasn't going to be possible by one person, really. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a, you know, a team effort. You've got to have people helping you out in different areas. So one example is I'm not a web developer, right? And so since Ruffle runs in a web browser, you know, using JavaScript and WebAssembly, which are two languages that run in the browser, I've sort of had to expand my comfort zone to do more of this web development that, you know, I'm not very good at. Mm -hmm. So having these people come in to volunteer that are good at web development and can help me out has been really helpful. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad, glad to hear that. And just getting to the final piece here, where can people find more about Ruffle and maybe about you as well, if they want to follow you and know what you're up to? <laughs> so uh, Ruffle has a website. You can, you can go to ruffle.rs. That's R-U-F-F-L-E.rs. From there, you can download the desktop version or navigate to our GitHub page, which has the source code. And you can also sponsor us on GitHub. As for myself, you can you know reach out to me on Twitter at Herschel, H-E-R-S-C-H-E-L. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Mike, for your time and for all the extra effort you're putting to Ruffle and congrats to the whole team. This is working. Keep moving forward. <laughs> and yeah, is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, just thanks to all the, the Flash developers, all the people that made cool content over the years. You know, that's one thing I that's been really fun about the project is going back and, you know, I'll be working on a bug in Ruffle, but it will be in this very cool old piece of content that I either forgot about or never saw before. 
and it's like it's awesome to see all the stuff that people made so if you want to help uh, make sure you get to the website try out some old games on ruffle if you find any bugs you can report them and you know you can feel part of uh, a part of the project as well to keep all of these games and content alive uh, once again thank you very much mike appreciate your time and for everybody listening don't forget that we have another episode coming very shortly and that's going to be with dan paladin so we can close this mini series that i hope you all really enjoyed because i've done that myself so thank you very much everybody and see you on the next episode bye bye